Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast sermon from First Baptist Church, Big Spring, Texas, Pastor Mark Lindsay. Today's sermon was entitled, I Will Go, from Genesis chapter 24, and I can guarantee you will learn more about the story and the person of Rebecca than you ever thought possible. Enjoy! I know you have your Bibles with you. I encourage you to have them opened with me to the 24th chapter of Genesis. Genesis 24, it ought to be fairly simple for you to find the first book of the Bible. If you have difficulty finding Genesis, raise your hand and we'll come down there and we'll help you. Genesis chapter 24. Some interesting things about this chapter. Genesis 24 is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis with 67 verses. And this story of Rebekah becoming the wife of Isaac is the second longest account of any one given situation in the book of Genesis other than the account of Noah. Noah, by the way, we will uh, study uh, his life next Sunday. But it is important for us, I would think then, to be able to study the life of this woman who simply said, yes, Lord. A woman who was obedient to God's plan for her life. I mean, if if God's going to give this much time and attention to what she has done, then it would be good for us to spend a little bit of time learning about all that takes place here in the 24th chapter of Genesis. Now, a little bit of a background. You recall... When he was 75 years old, God came to Abraham and promised Abraham he would become a great nation. But Abraham and his wife Sarah laughed because they had no children. Sarah was barren. She was childless. But God promised Abraham you will become a great nation. And 25 years later, when Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah was 90, they had their first child. A son by the name of Isaac. Then time passes, 37 years. At the age of 127, Sarah dies. Abraham is 137. Genesis chapter 23 recounts the death and burial of Sarah. But then we turn the page to chapter 24 and three years has now passed. Abraham is 140. And Isaac is 40 years old. A bachelor. And Abraham, daddy, decides it is time for Isaac 
to have a wife. Because after all, if God's promise is going to be fulfilled, then Abraham, then Isaac needs to marry and he needs to have children to carry on the line. Now, I have a brother and a sister, both older than me, by the way. That doesn't mean I'm the baby of the family. It just means they're older than me. I have two daughters. My sister has three daughters. My brother has one daughter and one son. And we have told Jonathan, Jonathan, you've got to carry on the family line. You're the last of the last. And what does Jonathan have? Three daughters. And I keep telling him, Jonathan, it's not too late. He said, it's too late. So Abraham, reminded of this promise from God, decides Isaac needs to get married and he needs to have children. So chapter 24 is all about the search of Abraham for a wife, a bride for his son Isaac. Well, apparently Isaac did not like the girls he saw in Canaan. They were idolaters. They'd been corrupted by society. He did not want his son to marry one of these girls. He did not want his grandchildren to be born into that kind of society, that kind of relationship. So Abraham calls his servant and says, I want you to go to my brother's family. And I want you to find a daughter among my brother's family and bring her back as a wife for my son. The problem is, the brother's family lives 450 miles away. Now, here's a caveat in all of this. You remember, Isaac is 40 years old. Daddy's looking for a wife for him. And Isaac is not allowed to go on the journey to find his own wife. He sends his servant. And, and Isaac is left with whatever the servant brings back. Now, now, of course, we live in different times. We don't send out servants to look for a wife for our sons. I mean, after all, uh, we prefer to see the merchandise for ourselves up close. So we can make our own choice. Well, the servant leaves the household of Abraham. And he returns with this woman by the name of Rebecca. Now, just at the outset, kind of gets you the family tree going here. Rebecca is the granddaughter of the brother of Abraham. So that would make Rebecca Isaac's niece. Don't get too caught up in that. All right. So, so the servant leaves Texas and goes to Arkansas. Just let you stew on that a while. And, and brings back Rebecca. 
Now, to finish out the story, uh, Isaac and Rebekah have a great marriage. A wonderful, lasting, fruitful marriage. And it's due in part to Rebekah saying yes to God's plan for her life. Now, at this point, she's not aware of her role in God's promise to Abraham. All she knows is at this point in her life, God said go. And Rebecca says, I will go. And Rebecca is one of the many in the Bible who said, yes, Lord. Her obedience is a picture of her love for her heavenly father. Now we are learning John chapter 14 and verse 15. We're seeking to learn what true obedience is and what true surrender is to our Lord God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let's say that together. Could we do that? Because we're learning it not only to keep it up here, but to keep it in here. So let's say John 14, 15 together. If you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Commandments. Like Rebecca, our love for the Father is proven by our obedience. Now let's get into this story in Genesis chapter 24. I told you 67 verses long, we're not going to read all of them. We're going to take the highlights in order to get the a full understanding of the story. But let's begin at the at the beginning. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years. I'd say so. He's 140. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites. Among whom I'm living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. Now skip on down to verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. And he had the camels kneel down near the well outside of the town. It was evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you've chosen for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. And the girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. 
The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I will draw water water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. And without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. Skip it down to verse 26. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. And the girl ran and told her mother's household about all these things. Now, we're going to skip down to verse 50 in the interim. Uh, the servant meets the uh, Rebecca's brother and father and begins to recount all that God had done on his journey. Well, we come to verse 50. And we're told Laban and Bethuel answered. Laban is Rebecca's brother. Bethuel's La- uh, Rebecca's father. And Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go, and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. Well, does Rebekah have any say in this? Going down to verse 57. Then they... Laban and Bethuel said, let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebekah and asked her, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. You could write out on the margin there, yes, Lord. I will go. There's some things about Rebecca we need to understand before we, before we try to realize why she said, yes, Lord. She lived in this town of Nahor. Apparently it was a fam, a town her family had, had uh, founded. Nahor was in Mesopotamia near Haran where, where a God had called Abraham to leave to make him a nation. And the town Nahor was on the main trade route between Nineveh and Asher and Babylon to the east and Egypt and Damascus and Tyre to the west. It it was the crossroads of commerce in that area. And Rebecca's family has settled down in this prosperous urban setting. What does this have to do with Rebecca? Her family apparently was quite wealthy, the founder of the town. But we can also deduce from what we have read that Rebecca, no doubt, had her choice of suitors. In verse 16, she is described as very attractive in her appearance. Now, a little background to the etymology of the name Rebecca. Rebecca means rope or noose. 
rope or noose. And it had reference to a maiden who ensnares by her beauty. You know, the, the, the kind of woman who just bats her eyes and the men just melt. You know, the, the kind of woman who goes 55 in a 30 mile an hour speed limit and, and gets pulled over by the policeman and she goes, oh, I didn't know what was. And the policeman says, well, have a good day. Yeah. She was one who ensnares men by her beauty. Now, all parents claim their babies are beautiful. But Rebecca's parents stake their reputation on it. Can, can you imagine after Rebecca's been born, they carry this baby out into the community and they say, say, oh, look at little noose. It, it, isn't she beautiful? You know, and she was. She was beautiful in appearance. Rebecca had money, or at least her daddy had money. Because verse 61 tells us Rebecca had multiple maids. Not only was Rebecca rich and beautiful, but one thing she was not was lazy. She had multiple maids. Instead of sending her maids down to get the water and to haul the water back to the family household, Rebecca went to the well herself. But at the well, Rebecca was put on the, put on the spot. For being a woman speaking to foreign men who had just ridden into town was an etiquette. No, no. You don't do that. Tells us Rebecca had a mind of her own. She didn't care what other people thought about her. And at this point, we're told, Abraham's servant prays for God to reveal Miss Wright. Now, let me step outside the story for a moment. Over the course of time, many young men have prayed a similar prayer. Lord, bring me Miss Wright, the, the perfect one for me. And seldom do they receive such an immediate response as Abraham's servant had to his own prayer. So for you gentlemen who are unmarried, single, and want to mingle, let, let me say to you, do not give up. Do not give Isaac was 40 years old. And God had not provided the right woman for him yet. Do not give up. Because there's going to come a place in time in God's timing and God's calendar where he's going to bring you to just the right well and your Rebecca will be waiting for you there. Don't give up. Let me say to you unmarried ladies. Do not compromise and just go for the first one that you think can bring satisfaction to your life and think gives you meaning to your life. Do not compromise. Don't give up. In God's timing, 
There's going to come a camel in your life upon which is riding the man God has chosen for you. You see, God had all these relationships worked out because when the relationships came together as He desired, then wonderful, mighty, powerful things took place in the kingdom of God. Never give up. Let's step back into the story. The servant is on the camel, praying. God, let the one that you've chosen for Isaac to be the one who gives me a drink of water and offers without me asking to water my camels. What does Rebecca do? She pulls the, 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 the vessel of water from her shoulders, pours him a glass. He drinks of the water and she says, oh, by the way, I will water, give water to your camels until they finish drinking. Do you think in Abraham's servant's mind, a light bulb went off? You know, whether you are unmarried as a man or as a woman, or whether or not you are praying in the midst of a certain situation, you and I have to learn to make the connection between what we're praying and what God does within your life. Oftentimes we pray. And God begins to bring about the answer, but we never make the connection and we walk away and we miss the best God wants for us. Well, this servant made the connection. She said, I will give water to your camels until they have finished drinking. Now, in the little bit of research I've done on camelology, a camel can drink anywhere between 25 to 45 gallons of water at one setting. So, the servant has ten camels. Let's say it's just a 30-gallon, a camel kind of day. Ten camels. That means Rebecca would be responsible with providing 300 gallons of water that day. Now, Many of the wells at this time were simply a big square hole in the ground that had steps going down to the water. And, and, and let's say Rebecca was, was a stout woman. Beautiful, but stout. And she could carry at a single time a five-gallon bucket filled with water. 300 gallons of water for 10 camels... At five gallons a pop, have you done the math? She would have to make 60 trips down into the well to bring back enough water for the camels to not thirst anymore. Now, some of you athletes over here sitting right over here, carrying five gallons of water is nothing. Even 60 times. But for Rebecca, wow, that's quite a feat. And, and here's something else about Rebecca. After going through and crunching all these numbers, that really hit home to me. 
Rebecca refused to do the minimum. Could I have a drink of water out of your jar? Sure, here you go. That's the least she had to do. She wasn't obligated to give water to ten camels. She wasn't obligated to offer that without being asked. But Rebecca was... Uh, did not want to do just the minimum. And what I've learned to understand is that many people never realize the potential God has for them in the kingdom. Because we are always settling for the minimum. The least amount of Bible study or Bible reading I have to do, the least amount of praying I can get by with, or the least amount of, of going to church and church attendance that, that I have to go through, if I can just do the least, just enough to make it across the finish line, then I will be okay. And those of us who choose to do nothing but the minimum will find ourselves in a position where we are always dissatisfied. And we are empty. On the inside, because we know there's got to be more. You see, people like Rebecca who are yes, Lord, people are not satisfied with the minimum. They will go the second mile. And so Rebecca hauls up, makes 60 trips to haul up 300 gallons of water for the 10 camels. And the servant says, this is her. This is a girl. So he makes his way to the family home. The house of Bethuel. And he begins to recount for her daddy all the history that had taken place. What God had said to Abraham. What, that Sarah had died, that, that Abraham was seeking for a bride for his son because he wanted someone who was pure, someone who was godly. And, and I, this is how I prayed. This is how God answered the prayer. It was immediate. It was perfect. Here's the connections that were made. And her daddy recognizes the hand of God at work and gave his blessing. For Rebecca to become Isaac's wife. But the final decision was hers. Will you go with this man? And Rebecca responds, I will go. Now, to be honest, Rebecca had every reason to say no. <laughs> she had every reason to say, uh uh-uh. uh. I'm staying home. After all, this man was about to take her 450 miles away from her hometown, from where she grew up, from her school, from her friends. She might not ever see her family again. I'm not willing to be separated from everything I've known and everyone I've known all my life. The 16-day journey was dangerous. We know from earlier accounts in Genesis that in that kind of journey, there were roving bands of thieves and murderers. It was highly likely she would not make it those 16 days. She would either be kidnapped and become a slave or else she would be murdered 
along the way. It would be much safer to stay home and marry a a local guy and have a secure future. To say yes, to marry a man she had never seen, she had never met, it's kind of crazy. I mean, he might be ugly or maimed or cruel or crazy. Who knows, maybe he lied on his Tinder profile that the servant gave to her daddy. What if he snores? You see, all these unknowns were left unanswered. And not only that, her life would be turned upside down. She was going from being a big city, wealthy, educated, beautiful, eligible girl who lived in a house... To be living in remote areas in a tent like a nomad. She'd give up her room, the comforts of her home, only to camp out for the rest of her life. Now, for some of you, that might be great. But if you leave everything you've known and all your comforts, it is easy to say no. Rebecca, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. Why? Why did Rebecca say, I will go? Let me put it simply. It was because of her love for God. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, then you will keep my commandments. You see, Rebecca saw God's fingerprints all over this. And friends, the lesson for us is what seems to be obvious and logical when it is put on paper rarely matches the walk of faith in the kingdom of God. When you come to a crossroads of where God is leading you, you will have every excuse and reason to say no, God. But if you see God's fingerprints all over it, your only response would be to say, yes, Lord. I mean, here's a servant. This was before Google Maps. He was led to the, just the right town, to just the right well out of the many wells in the city, went to just the right well at just the right time when all the women were coming out to draw water, and, was, and the prayer was answered in just the right way, exactly the way he had prayed. And she was the answer to Abraham's prayer. To find a wife who is godly for Isaac. And then on top of that, when daddy gave his permission for the marriage and said, this is of the Lord. Rebecca thought only God could put that in her heart, in his heart. She trusted the spiritual sensitivity of her father. 
But outside all those considerations, Rebecca had a personal, intimate relationship with God. She was a woman of prayer. How do I know that? Genesis chapter 25, verse 22. Rebecca prays and God answers her prayer. It was part of who she was. And so when she is presented with this opportunity, I am certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that Rebecca got on her knees before God the Father and she prayed and God gave her a peace and inner confirmation in her heart that this was his will. So when it came time to choose, confident God was in charge of her life and moving in her direction, she said, yes, Lord, I will go. It takes no faith to stay home and to marry the big man on campus. And to live a life of ease. But Rebecca loved God and wanted to please Him, so she obeyed. See, you and I miss out so much on what God has for us. Because we do the minimum. And we are confronted with and are content with just the way things have always been. Where it makes me comfortable, where it makes me happy. If we don't move beyond our place of comfort, and we fail to walk in faith with God alone. Friends, I want to be honest with you. I'm convinced that God is initiating something truly significant in this fellowship. He is presenting an open window, putting us at the crossroads. And like Rebecca, he's giving us a choice. A choice to say, no, I like it where I am. Or a choice to say, yes, I'm ready to go where you lead me. Yes, Lord. See, I want to find out where I fit in his plan. Yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yes, Lord, how do you want me to do it? Yes, Lord, what do you want me to say? Yes, Lord, where do you want me to go? And I will go. Yes, Lord, must be our prayer today. You see, the truth is, Rebecca had no idea what was ahead for her. She did not know what role she's going to play in God's purpose and plan for your life and mine. Because through Rebecca and through Isaac would eventually come the Messiah down through the holy lineage. And you and I are here today in faith, living in faith in Christ. In a large part because this woman said, I will go. So if you say yes to the Lord... You will not always know exactly where your less to God will lead you. But I will tell you this. It will lead you to places of impossibilities where God is able to display His power. Perhaps the Lord is calling you to something deeper today. Go beyond the minimum and pour yourself into the Word of God. 
calling you to a deeper walk with the Father in, in your life of prayer and of intercession. He's calling you deeper in your life of worship. That's more than just coming to church on Sundays and singing a few songs. But it is every single day seeking out the Lord with all your heart. You may sense the Lord calling you to make a difference in your community. That there is someone that He needs you to touch and to love. The Lord may be calling you to boast of Christ through your life story. Somebody needs to hear your story of salvation. Somebody needs to hear how in the midst of a personal struggle, the Father was right there with you. And just like David wrote in Psalm 34 of how He delivered you through the whole process. There may be a moment where somebody needs to hear of the time when you said, I will go. The Lord is giving you that opportunity to say yes to Him as a child of God. But I can tell you also, if you've never offered your life to Christ to be your Savior, then He is waiting for you to say yes to Him today. Yes, Lord, I'll leave the old life behind and I will go because You're the only answer I need in this life and the life to come. Would you allow your prayer today to be the prayer of Rebecca? I will go. Father, time and time again, you have ordered our way before us. And time and time again, you have intervened to lead us down pathways, which will enable us to know you, to hear you, to experience you. Father, time and again, we've offered up every excuse we can think, because it doesn't fit in with our plans. But Lord God, help us see beyond our plans and to focus on your face and be willing to step out in faith and say, yes, Lord, I will go. You lead me, I'm there. Father, I will go. Father, I'm grateful that you place some folk in this room today who needed to hear of your love for them through Jesus. And Father, they've been trying to make that decision. Do I go or do I stay? But Lord God, draw them to where they will say, yes, Lord. Cleanse me. Forgive me. I place my faith and trust that you are my lifeline. And only you can save me. Father, today, 
we offer ourselves to you. Lord, in everything we have, we surrender to you. In the precious holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.